As many you shall find call to the marriage. Friend, how comest thou in hither not having on a wedding garment? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Today's gospel gives us a parable which is not really that easy to understand at first glance. What is the marriage of the son which the king prepares for? Who are the servants who are first called? Who are they by the highways? What is the significance of the man cast out for not having on a wedding garment. We start to look and we realize that the parable is a bit of an onion. It has many layers, each one needing to be pulled apart in order to be examined and thus better explained. So first, a king make a marriage for his son. We look at this and we rightly guess that the king here is God the Father, and his son is, of course, our Lord. But when it speaks of a marriage, what is it that it means? The marriage spoken of is union of God and man. Tomorrow's saint, Saint John Leonardi, speaks of this. And he points it out not as a singular union of man and God, but rather a threefold marriage. Three other marriages of Christ's and humanity. The one celebrated in the womb of the Holy Virgin, the Incarnation. The second celebrated in the consecrated time of the Church, the Holy Eucharist. And the third, not yet visible, but veiled in the Holy Ghost, thanks to which we can see God face to face. Judgment and the end time. Such a great union of heaven and earth is this marriage. It is the greatest action of God. Greater than creation itself. Because here, God raises up the dignity of his creation. He unites himself with man in order to manifest his infinite goodness and his infinite love. He redeems what has fallen. He saves what has been lost. So man is called to this union. He is meant to rejoice in it, and to share in the great event. Now, nearly all of the scriptural commentators remark that the first portion of the calling to the wedding feast, this is a call to the servants, and by servants, it is meant to be the chosen people, the Israelites, who are called first. In today's gospel, that of St. Matthew, they are actually called twice in the gospel. In the first call, it represents 
all that they have been given, miracles worked for them, and the chosen people having all of the prophecies laid out in the scriptures for telling the coming of the Messiah by their prophets. God has been so good to them over the centuries. He's brought them out of captivity on many occasions. He has taken the Red Sea and has split it asunder in order that they may be delivered safely. He's rained down manna from heaven every single day, 40 years long, in order to provide for them. He's given them many victories and battles, and the very commandments inscribed on stone by his own finger. And yet, to them, in the end, all of these miracles and all of these gifts, they mean little. They complain of their sojourn in the desert. They bemoan the manna and long for the cucumbers and honey pots of Egypt. They repeatedly turn their eyes away from the one true God who has revealed himself to them alone and instead fall down upon their knees before idols, Baal and Dagon, the golden calf which they even made themselves. The wives they have taken at times are often heathens and they follow after their base passions in the simple calls of the flesh. They care for their worldly goods and the power and earthly kingdom. And all the words of the prophets they reject or have forgotten. This is the first calling. But even with all of that, the good king has not given up on them. He calls them again, tries to get them again to come to that important wedding feast. This time, the call goes out after the fatted calf is slain. That is, when the time to celebrate has finally arrived. And so, out go the messengers. The precursor, John the Baptist, he is sent out. Our Lord himself, he goes forth to bring that new good news to the chosen people. And from him, after the apostles and their disciples, they all continue to spread that same message that God has been made man. Heaven and earth have been united. And again, they find themselves rejected now more vehemently than before, now rejected with violence. St. John the Baptist, he is beheaded. Christ crucified. St. James, the first bishop of Jerusalem. St. Stephen, the first deacon of the church, martyred. The king is saddened and angry. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered together thy children, 
Behold, your house is left to you desolate. And so the king calls those by the highways. As many as you find, call them in. Redemption is opened to all men, not just the children of Abraham. The gospel and the faith spreads now throughout the entire world. It reaches the far ends of humanity. And man finally begins to start to listen to it. He starts to heed the call, embrace the faith, recognize the incarnation as true. But one who comes is found without a wedding garment and cast into the outer darkness. What do we have to understand by this? The wedding garment is sanctifying grace. This garment is the garment of charity, a true love of God and of neighbor that faith must cooperate with. Man cannot truly say to love God if he is not in a state of sanctifying grace. As St. James says, it is not enough that man is converted or that he believe all the truths of the faith. This is insufficient. Rather, he says, thou believest that there is one God, thou dost well. The devils also believe and tremble. No, God unites with man because he loves man. And it is that which he desires to be given in return. Faith must be put into action. Love returned for love. Without this true love, without this true charity, man may know of the great union of God and man, but he cannot share in its joy. It profits him nothing. Herod came to know of the birth of the God-man, but it was only the Magi who were able to come to the cave and to bow down and witness him with his, their eyes, because they were the ones who were willing to love and adore him. The Pharisees are regularly given to be able to speak with our Lord. Yet it is the Magdalene who wets his feet with her tears of repentance and anoints his head with costly oils because of her love for him. It is she who has her sins forgiven. The apostles, they all receive the body and blood of Christ at the Last Supper. In eleven of them, Grace is strengthened to aid them so that they will faithfully follow him to the end of their lives. But in Judas, who has already betrayed Christ, his communion hardens his heart and contributes to his destruction. The king doesn't call men to the wedding feast to be mere observers. He calls them because they are to share in this union of love. 
The first two unions spoken of, they, the Incarnation, and Christ in Holy Communion, these are the means for us to realize the third union, the eternal union in heaven. God became man to redeem man, to pay the price we owe by our sins, to return sanctifying grace to our souls, the ones who have cast it out. God remains there present in that little host to sanctify man, to nourish man's soul, just as those at the wedding feast are nourished bodily by the feast itself. Sanctifying grace is strengthened by each and every good and frequent holy communion and by regular acts of adoration of him under this Eucharistic veil. It is for this reason why St. John Leonardi preached so often about today's gospel. Around him raged the Protestant Reformation, and many either turned away from faith altogether and returned to worldly cares, their fields and their merchandise. Or they may have professed belief in the incarnate word, but had cast aside their wedding garments, thrown away sanctifying grace, and no longer truly loved God. And so St. John Leonardi combated this by calling man to receive God, to be united with him in holy communion as often as possible and by spreading devotion to our Lord in acts of adoration, by means of spreading wherever he went the devotion of 40 hours, so that man may imitate magi and come to love and adore him and to fall upon his knees. And so I make the same call to you all, to don your wedding garments and present them in pristine whiteness. So many spiritual treasures are here at your disposal. So many opportunities to increase, strengthen, and reciprocate your love for our Lord. Multiple opportunities of Mass are available every day. Opportunities to unite yourself in Holy Communion to be there in that marriage feast. Do you often answer the call? Or do you too often choose the draw of the fields and merchandise, the trappings of earthly cares, the distractions of the world? Do you turn from the creator to the creature? Even a busy man whose work occupies him so much could perhaps do more than he does already. Looking at his schedule, perhaps Friday 5.45 p.m. is possible to be made after work, and then rising early on a Saturday morning, coming again to that holy altar, 
and then he has to be here Sunday. And with that, in a blink of an eye, he realizes half his week is covered by this wonderful mystery. And again, in a couple weeks, we have that great opportunity of 40 hours, our chance to quietly adore and love our Lord like those three kings before, to sit at his feet and to choose the better part like St. Mary Magdalene, to combat the darkness of errors of, around, of the world around you and leave all the noise outside, just like St. John Leonardi. We are all called to the banquet, and yes, sometimes duty and life may legitimately keep us away at times, but do we yearn for that opportunity in our hearts? Are we eager to answer the call when we can, to share in the union of God and man whenever possible, to not just believe, but truly to love and to prove this love by our actions. Because if we strive to frequently make these chosen acts of love and unity with our Lord, we will never be found without our wedding garment. And we will realize, as St. John Leonardi said, that our Eucharistic devotion is medicine of immortality which comforts, feeds, and unites us, and that by it we will be transformed by God and part of divine nature. May God bless you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.